Thank you, families. And, you know, the only thing missing in that song is Danny. All right? Who votes? Let's all vote next time that song. I think a deal was made ahead of time if, uh, if, if, we, if we wanted to see Danny singing that, Lisa would have had to do the Bible reading, all right? I might, I might be willing to compromise just to see that. Oh, the offering was so... All right, well, some, uh, some might have to work on that. We'll see. I don't know if it's worth it, but... All right, Second Chronicles chapter 29 this morning. Good to see you this morning, and again, um, glad that we can... We can Gather together, rejoice in the Lord. And um, Hezekiah is an interesting character in the Bible. Um, you know, I think some of some of us sometimes mistake Hezekiah as a book of the Bible. I know I did when I was a teenager. One time we were having a, a Bible quiz, a, a little quiz during youth camp for points and all of that. Testament. The guest speaker was the host, and he says, "Okay, who who can tell me which testament Hezekiah is in? Like what, which book?" and and I put my hand up, Old Testament, and he's like, it's not a book of the Bible. You know, I was embarrassed. And, um, but since then, you, you'd, uh, you'd be happy to know, I know it's not a book of the Bible, all right? So Second Chronicles chapter 29 this, uh, this morning, and we'll go through this passage of Scripture together a little bit. Um, you know, we're, we're heading into a time now where we're getting to a to a bit of normalcy as far as busyness of time. We've had a couple of, um, couple of conferences back to back. And yet sometimes when we come away from busy times like that, we can start to recognize that there's a bit of maybe disorder in our life. And you're trying to get back into a schedule, into a routine. You're getting back into maybe those things that because we were so busy, you ignored in your home and needs to be addressed. And you know, I'm, I'm the type of person, I like to keep things in order. And I think God does that as well. He's a God of order, isn't He? But I just like to keep things in order. And for, for many times in, our, in my lifetime, we've moved houses. And even as a young person, I was speaking to someone this week about the joys of moving house. Anyone, anyone love moving houses? Right? No one does, okay? I should put my hand down because neither do I. But we moved over and over again, and, and, you know, the amount of times we would have to pack up and then move to the next place and try to get that all sorted out again. But, you know, we were always determined, as Ryan and I, whenever we move somewhere, I always said, within a week, we will be unpacked and then, and then organized. And that was always the challenge I placed on myself. And, you know, don't ask how my attitude was, though. We just got it done, all right? But... Um, and so many times that as he had to endure that with me, but I was just maniacal about that. I just needed to get things back in order. And I know moving here last year, we, uh, many of you helped us uh, ahead of time and, and unpacked much of that. So that was a blessing. But you ever had a room in your, your house, you know, that room that you just tend to put things away and forget about? Usually it's our garage, right? Anyone else? But you, you want to tackle that, and, and eventually you get there, and it just, it's just a mess, isn't it? And what do you do? You keep putting, putting it off. You keep putting it off, and you keep putting it off. But, you know, if you just get started, sometimes those things can, can happen pretty quickly. And in the life of Hezekiah here, the, really the 13th king of Judah, the southern kingdom, he 
came into a, a bit of a situation where there was a lack of order in the nation. And rather than putting it off, rather than sort of ignoring the situation at hand, Hezekiah, the Bible says that we read it there in verse 36, by the end of it, and Hezekiah rejoiced and all the people that God had prepared the people. And notice what he says, for the thing was done suddenly. You know, there's many areas in our lives that we just want to get done, we want to tackle, we don't want to keep putting off, we don't want to procrastinate, and there's certain areas that we just want to make sure we get done. You know, often I tell our young people as they're going through, you know, they're, they're growing up and they get opportunity to get their license, get their license because don't procrastinate because life just gets busier, right? I know some of you recently, some of our young people, you know, recently got their P-plates, and so pray for their parents, they're now going to be stressed out and all of that, but you understand that there's some things you just shouldn't put off. There's just some things you shouldn't just kick the, the, the can down the road. And, and you know, sometimes life can just happen and life can become um, unordered, disorderly. And life can become overwhelming and, and suddenly what is affected is often our spiritual life. And, and yet, I think what we see here in the life of Hezekiah is that he, he, was, he was quick to get things done. And, you know, there's many things that we can put off, and maybe there won't be a great consequence to that, just a, just a room filled of stuff, just a, a cleaning project for that spring, just something to tackle uh, once we have the time, and it, there's not really consequence, but, you know, when it comes to things that, uh, that are spiritual, the Christian life, you understand that if we put things off and we, we, we don't order things in, in that arena of our lives, there's a great consequence, isn't there? You understand that there's times where God in His mercy and His grace will touch upon the very thing that we need to take care of. And, and you know what we sometimes do is we'll, we'll say something like this to sort of wrap it in spiritual clothing a little bit. We say, well, let me pray about that. Well, let me, let me seek some counsel about that. Well, let me, let me just think about how I'm supposed to do that. And what we're doing is we're just putting it off and putting it off rather than putting some things back in order. And while we're talking about Hezekiah's comeback this morning, it really is about a man who God, God had his hand upon and he came into a situation that, uh, that, that he took on from his father Ahaz and and in the, the, the southern kingdom, Judah was in disrepair. It was unordered. And yet what the Bible tells us is Hezekiah went ahead to the task and Hezekiah did something here and the thing was done suddenly. You know, sometimes we tell ourselves some things that are worth doing is worth doing well. And sometimes by that, what we imply is that, well, we'll take our time on that. And, and in many arenas of life you can, but there's some things that I think we can learn from Hezekiah's life that, that, that can help us when maybe in those situations in our lives where we find our lives a bit disordered, uh, in, in a lack of order in our lives, and we just need to get it back into order. And I think there's some things here that Hezekiah did that will help us with that as we consider it. And, and maybe this morning that's not you. Maybe life is in order. But who can agree with me this morning that, that life can get out of order very quickly as well? And we better get some things and address some things in our lives. And, and I think Hezekiah brings that for us. And I'm, you know, I'm glad this morning that we do have a God 
who, who doesn't want to leave his people in a state of being wrong or imperfect in his sight. God actually is, is desiring for us to get our lives back in order. And, you know, it says in Psalm 86 verse 5, For thou art, thou Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. And, you know, sometimes in, in areas of our lives, in the, our spiritual walk with him, sometimes there's things that are lingering there that we're, we're sort of beating ourselves up about when it's actually the Bible says God is ready. That means he's always prepared. He's, he's, he's ready for you now for him to forgive you, to get some things right. He, it's, his attitude is get, it, is, is get it right immediately. In Ephesians 5.16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And we understand that time is passing us by. The old saying, time waits for no man. And there's just some things that we immediately and even suddenly should get and should turn around. And maybe that's you this morning and, and there's some things you've been putting off. There's some things you know that, that there's some disorder in your life and you need to get some order back into life. Then maybe you need to listen to what, what happened in Hezekiah's time this morning and, and put some things back in place. And, you know, we often say we ought to keep short accounts with God. And that's true. We ought to quickly turn to God when we realize that we're aren't where we're supposed to be. And I hope that that would be the case. I hope that you don't delay getting some, some things right and in order. So here's what Hezekiah did to, to turn, turn things around quickly. And note with me, look at the beginning of the chapter. Verse 29. Actually, we'll, we'll pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless and then we'll get into the message this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you again for your grace and your goodness. Thank you for our time together, Lord. And thank you that we can rejoice in you. And thank you, dear God, that as we sung praises to you, dear God, that, Lord, out of a sincere heart, as we lifted up our voices, that that was uh, something that was sweet to you, that you rejoiced in. And, Lord, really, we just want to please you. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, you, you would allow us to examine where we're at, that you would then help us, Lord, to get back into where we need to be. And I pray, dear God, that you would then help each and every one of us to perhaps even bank this away to get, get back. Lord, those times that, Lord, certainly life becomes out of order that we can get, get back into it. And I pray that you'd please bless the time. I pray that you'd bless your word, Lord, most of all to our hearts. And we pray and ask these things in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And notice here with me as we, we look at, look at the, the beginning of the chapter, and we'll go through these verses really quickly this morning. Verse 1, Hezekiah began to reign when he was 5 and 20 years old. And he reigned 9 and 20, 20 years in Jerusalem. So 29 years, and his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. So Hezekiah was a righteous man. He was someone who followed along in, a, again, a situation where Ahaz wasn't right before God. In fact, he allowed some things to happen in the nation of Israel that was grievous to the Lord. And Hezekiah comes in, and he had a different character. He, had a, he, he was right in the sight of the Lord. And if you go to 2 Kings chapter 18, the Bible further describes Hezekiah in verse 3. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father did. Notice what he did. He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it and he called it Nehushtan. And uh, the, 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 the nation was in such disorder 
that even those things of God, they, they were using as idols. The, the brazen serpent became some sort of relic in the nation. It became an idol, that, that very thing that God used. And, and so that's how disordered the nation was. He trusted in the Lord in verse 5, God of Israel, so that after him, and again, this is the Bible's commentary on his life, was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments which the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. You know, Hezekiah went through a few battles in his life, and, and you understand that, that as the Bible describes him, he became a great man, but, you know, he, he had to fight some things to begin with. He had to quickly turn some things around that had become unordered in the nation, and there were some things that he needed to get focusing on straight away if he was going to see God work, and if he was going to see God bless once again in that place. And so he begins with, with, with that, go back to Second Chronicles chapter 3, and notice verse 3 now, it says, He in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Now, if you look at the previous chapter in chapter 28, verse 24, Ahaz gathers together the vessels of the house of God and cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God and shut up the doors of the house of the Lord and he made him altars in every corner of Jerusalem. You know, he, he, he diversified what was meant to be a quite, quite clear. There was meant to be a, 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 an ability to come into the temple of the house of the Lord to offer offerings and he shut that off. It was the obvious thing to, to then address was to then, the thing that was shut up needed to be open again. And there's some things that we, we close the doors of in our lives where, where we can't get access to. And there's some things that we've closed off that we need to open again. And you know what that really is when it comes to the temple of God? It was really a fixing of their fellowship with God. They just needed to fix their fellowship with God. The nation the nation had departed from their, their fellowshipping, their closeness to God, and, and to the point where the doors of the temple were shut. You know, um, can I remind you this morning that when it comes to the temple of God, there's no longer a physical temple. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And maybe there's some things that have been shut off. There's some things that have prevented maybe even in your own heart where you can enter into a closeness with God that you need to just open again and let some light shine through and let some access come to. And maybe there's the secret uh, recesses of your heart that, that you've just left shut off from God. And maybe you just need to open that up again. And you know where he started? He started where it really is central to everything that we do as God's people if we want to get order back. And that's our fellowship with him. Now, how's your fellowship with the Lord? And what, what he did was he prioritized what was most needful. The most needful thing for the nation was to get back with God. The, the most needful thing for them was to have the, the, temple of the, uh, the doors of the temple open again so that they can come and start to worship and start to praise and start to sacrifice and start to get with the Lord again. And they prioritized what was most needful. You know, you can't fellowship if you ignore the obvious. You know, sometimes, sometimes we, we have some time in the Word of God, and God does. He points to the thing that just needs to get addressed straight away. 
You know what we do? We complicate sometimes what God makes clear. We, we go ahead and we wander about and we da- dance around a little bit of the, around the issue and, and rather than dealing with that first. And, and what, what Hezekiah had to do was just open what was shut in. He, he couldn't ignore the fellowship. He made the first step. He stopped ignoring what was obviously in disrepair. You know, it, it wasn't just the king's responsibility here. There was those generations that grew up with Ahaz that were around his time that could have said something about repairing the doors of the temple, about getting that open again, but no one else did. But Hezekiah, when he came in, he understood he needed to just do what was obvious. He needed to do what was most needful, and that was to fix their fellowship with God. You know, sometimes we look at the, the, the disorder and the lack of order in our lives, and we try to point at other things. Maybe, you know, I need a better schedule. Well, I might need to do this, and I might need to do that. And listen, sometimes we just need to get back to what is most needful, and that's just getting back to fellowship with Him. Don't you think that the God of order, if you get with the God of order, if you get with Him and you start to get to know Him, that, that He'll start to order some things in your life? Don't you think if we fixed our fellowship with God and got close to Him again and, and started to recognize who He is in our lives, that's number one and most preeminent, that He will repair some things Himself? And so he goes and he fixes his fellowship, the fellowship with God. You know, it ought to be us that takes the first step in that. The Bible tells us in James 4, 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. You know, God is the one that is waiting for us to come. He says to cleanse your hands, your sinners, purify your hearts, you're double-minded. And so often, instead of being singular in our pursuit to get close to God, we're so double-minded about life. We're so double-minded, and, and the Bible tells us a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It's not, it's, not a good, it's not a good place to have order when you're unstable. You know, when you're, when you're having to feel like you're, you're juggling all the time, and, and yet the most needful thing was them to just fix it, to, for us to fix our fellowship with God. And you know what he did? He just established what was to be expected. You know, the, the whole... The whole uh, civil code of, of the nation there that God gave through, the, through Moses, the, the whole uh, priesthood and, and their function, it, it all was, was, was centered around the temple. It was all centered around them having access to God, them having that relationship and that fellowship with Him right. And so he just needed to just reestablish what was to be expected in verses 5 and 6. And he said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites. It was, it was them that was meant to be the, 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 the lineage that was to work in the temple. Sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and have forsaken in him, have t- turned away their faces from the habit- habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. You know, these people, they... They had to just get back to what was expected of them. You know, sometimes we don't do those things that are most needful because we've stopped expecting that of ourselves. You know, we get up and instead of expecting that we're in the Word, we'll just go along and just get, a, get ahead of the day and maybe prioritize some other things. Instead of just recognizing there's an expectation that we are to fellowship with God, we, we put some other things ahead and suddenly those disrepairs have come along and suddenly we're struggling with order in our lives. And, and it's surprising 
Hezekiah's instruction to the Levites wasn't something that's surprising. It was one that was previously established. It was the history and the, the makeup of the nation was based on this. It was just him just setting the expectation again. And we ought to expect for ourselves that we fellowship with God. We ought to expect of ourselves that we have a closeness. Sometimes we will excuse that away as if there's other things that need to take place first. We'll, we'll sort of say, well, these other things have taken precedent in, our, in my life. And you don't understand, Pastor, the, the pressures that I'm under. And, and suddenly life becomes all this disorder. I want to tell you, you just need to establish those things that are to be expected. You need to get back to that fellowship with God like we should. There's some things you already know to do. There's some things you already know ought to be part of your life. And, and many of you, you've been Christians long enough to understand that those things are just expected of you. You know, prayer. You know, the, the Word of God. You know, your, your faithfulness to attend the fellowship in the assembly of the saints. You, you're, you're, all of those things are pretty fundamental and basic in the Christian life. And you know what? Sometimes, though, we just need to be reminded of the basics and reminded of the fact that that's part of our fellowshipping with the Lord. And it, we need to get back to the basics and expect, we need to expect that for ourselves. You know, there's some things that need to be cleaned up and there's no need, things that need to be placed back in order and all of those have to do with our fellowship with the Lord. And we'll see that in a bit. There's some things that need to be refreshed. They need to open the doors. They need to repair. They need to restore worship. All of that was just refreshing. And they just needed a refreshing of that closeness to God. And you know, it's easy to do. It's easy to get into a, a rut. It's easy to suddenly wake up and it's not just been a day. It's not just been a week. It's not just been a month. Maybe it's even been a year. And you could get all the preaching you want and you could get all of that and be challenged. But if you keep putting it off, and you stopped expecting it, then what will happen is a disorder and a lack of order in our lives. And so Hezekiah, really, he started where it was most important. He fixed their fellowship with God. He started to open up the temple again. He started to help them realize their need to get back to the Lord and get back to that closeness and get back to the order of things. That way he established those expectations. But Notice with me as we look down again uh, in, the, in the chapter, look at verses 15 to 17. We, we noted already that there was some of that, some of the, what the Bible describes, filthiness in the house, and the house needed to get clean. Verse 15, and they gathered their brethren and sanctified themselves and came according to the commandment of the king by the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. And the priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it and brought out all the uncleanness that they found in the temple of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it to carry it out abroad into the brook Kidron. Now they began on the first day of the first month to sanctify. And on the eighth day of the month came they to the porch of the Lord. So they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days. And in the sixteenth day of the first month they made an end. So really quickly they got to the work again. You understand, this is a, a magnificent building. This, this had a lot of very valuable stones and very valuable metals that 
needed that, that expert handling to make sure that they were replenished again. You know, um, uh, we've, been, we've been watching my wife and I, this guy, and um, all he does is he's an he's a expert pressure washer. And I just love clean things, all right? I just, and, and we were watching it, and I don't know, we probably wasted our time on it, but he would, he would all of these sandstone uh, walls that he would clean or, or sandstone paving, and he would clean that and show the process of that. And not that we have anything sandstone, but it just looked better is what I was saying. But there needed to be a handling of that. They needed to clean that, and that's what happened here in the, in, the, in the temple, there needed to be some cleaning done. And here's the second thing, if we're going to get, our, our, get, get some order back, is not only do we need to start with the fellowship and fix that, we need to then focus on clearing out what was damaged and dirty. Maybe there's some things, as, as, as you've, you draw close to God, that He reveals there's some, some things there that needed to be cleaned out. There's some things that you need to address that were, were sins that had become dirty and filthy in the holy place. And by the way, again, just using the analogy, we're the, we're the temple of God. And there's some things there that can occur over time that we've allowed to fester and, and become fostered that is just dirty and filthy that we need to just get clean. And, and they sanctified, the Bible says, sanctified the house. And the word sanctify simply means to purify Okay, to be made clean again. And so they, they, they were determined, really, in their pursuit of cleanliness or holiness. You know, this was a big house. It had to be done with a great deal of actual brutal honesty. They needed to just, you know, that's, that needs addressing, so we're going to address it. Um, there was a fad a couple of years ago. Some of you men maybe had to deal with this in your households. And I'm going to say the name, and it's going to send shudders down your spine. All right? Marie Kondo. All right? Some, oh, some of you didn't, but there was a, it must be a Sydney thing, all right? But the, this, uh, this, this decluttering guru, she had all of these steps, and, and all of these women were cleaning out their closets and all of that. And you know why it sent shudders down my, my spine? Because they were throwing out clothes I knew they were going to buy again, all right, after. But the whole thing was... was decluttering. And, you know, I'm all for that generally. I, I, like to, I like to just make sure that things are just done in order. And, and, you know, for the house of the Lord here, they just had to be brutally honest with what needed to get cleaned. And, you know, that, that takes, takes a bit of an eye to do that. You know, it's many times in our lives, there's things that we allow to fester in our own lives and become cluttered that we won't be honest about. That we won't be brutally honest about, we'll excuse it. We'll say, no, no, that still fits in the grand scheme of things. That, that's still good with God, and it's not. You know, they had to, uh, they, 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 they had neglected some things over time. And, and you know, when you neglect something over time, it never gets better, it always gets worse. And, and what happened in the life of, of the nation here, and Hezekiah had to address it, was over time... The, the temple being shut in, it just became filthy. Now, no one was in there. It didn't seem to be that the, the sacrifices were happening because we see that he reinstitutes that. It didn't seem to be that uh, it was of any use, but, you know, being dormant, it just became filthy. And, you know, when we don't address those things that, that we're supposed to in our Christian life, 
the, the disorder that happens there is there's just some, some filthiness and dirtiness that need to get cleaned out. And we better take great care of that. You know, um, they, were, they were determined in their pursuit of holiness. But you know what else? They were thorough in getting things right between them and the Lord. It says in verses 18 to 19, go, go there with me. Verse 18, he says, Then they went in to Hezekiah the king and said, We have cleansed, notice this, all the house of the Lord. And the altar burnt offerings with all the vessels thereof, and the showbread table with all the vessels thereof. Moreover, all the vessels which King Ahaz in his reign did cast away in his transgression, have we prepared and sanctified, and behold, they are before the altar of the Lord. You know, they got back. Here's what I'm saying. They were thorough. They cleansed all the house of the Lord. That means they opened every door. That means they, they, they turned every, they looked at every vessel. That means they, they looked at every nook and cranny of the place and they were thorough. You know what happens when sometimes we're, we're trying to get some order back and there's some things that we just don't allow the Lord to see and as if he couldn't see. There's some things we don't want him to address. There's some things we just say, Lord, leave that alone. That's not something that is your business. You know, listen. Listen, the whole house is, is God's business, right? All of you. There's not a part in us. There's not a part in our hearts. There's not a part in our mind. There's not a part in our lives that God shouldn't be allowed to examine. No, all of us, our whole being, God should be able to examine. You know, that was a psalmist's attitude in Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, the Bible tells us the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But it's the Lord that searches the heart and He tries the reins. And I hope that, that you would, as you're trying to get some order back in life, I hope that you would allow and permit God to search every nook and cranny of your life. You know, you might be able to get away with it. You might, in your thoughts... In the private thoughts of your mind, in your heart, in the privacy of your home, you might get away with it. No one else might ever notice. No one else might ever, ever speak about it. But listen, regardless of that, God sees. And we better have the humility and we better have the, the heart to say, Lord, search me. Search my heart. Know my thoughts. And he was the one, as, as Hezekiah observed it all, he instructed the Levites, you know, you better not. And so they cleansed all the house. How, how's, are there any rooms in your own life that you've just put away some things that you just won't let God in? And maybe he's, he's, he's pointing to that very one to say, hey, that's the, that's the area I want cleaned up. That's the area that you keep neglecting. That's the area. You know, all of us here, no doubt in our own homes, in a physical sense, there's a certain room and there's a certain chore that you really don't like doing. And that's the one you just ignore and ignore and ignore until you can't ignore it anymore. And you know, there's, there shouldn't be a place like that in our heart when it comes to our fellowship with God. There needs to be a searching. You know, David said, he said in Psalm 51 verse 2, he said, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. You know, David understood that even in his own heart as he there's some things that he needed washing throughly. And we understand this, this morning, I think, that positionally in Christ, we've been forgiven of all sins. 
But you understand practically day to day, there's some things that we pick up. There's some sins that we allow that we just need cleansing. We need to go to 1 John 1, 9. And if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that needs to be a, a moment by moment thing. And that needs to be something that we don't take for granted that we go around each day just taking for granted that there's things that, that, that perhaps are there. And perhaps we just need to look at and go, Lord, search me. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. And, you know, even the Lord, He, he cleanses he says in Psalm 19, verse 12, who can understand his errors? He says, cleanse thou me from secret faults. You know, those, those things that are secret faults, those things that are so ingrained and stained in our lives that it's just become almost unseen. You know, all of us here, there's some blind spots, there's some secret faults. There's the hidden idols of the heart that we need, just need God to, to highlight and say, Lord, you have access to that too. Lord, cleanse the whole house. And he got order back, how? By, by just understanding that he needed to focus on clearing out what was damaged and dirty. And no doubt all of us here, we can, if we're honest with God and with ourselves, there's some secret faults. There's some things that we just need to daily just ask the Lord to search our hearts about. There ought to be that as we go about each day in our fellowship with one another and in our, in our service for the Lord and just our day-to-day -day lives that we just would permit God and we would just say with our whole hearts, search me, wash me thoroughly, cleanse me from my secret faults. Lord, uh, help me see the hidden idols of the heart that have become so deceptive through pride and through arrogance perhaps and, and I've ignored and I've neglected. Lord, help me to see that. And you know what you're going to find? If you do that, you're going to get some order back in your life. If you do that, there's going to be those things that God's going to clear out and God's going to let you clear out and God's going to let you overcome. Why? Because He's a God that's ready to forgive. Because He wants you a clean vessel, meat for the master's use. Because he wants you to be one that would be sanctified. And we understand again that positionally we are holy in the sight of Christ. But listen, practically sometimes there's those things that still linger on. And we better just take great care of that. And Hezekiah did that and there was great order that transpired. And then lastly, look at verses 20 to 30. Go back to Second Chronicles 29. Notice verse 20, Then Hezekiah the king rose early and gathered the rulers of the city and went up to the house of the Lord. And they brought seven bullocks and seven rams and seven lambs and seven goats for a sin offering for the kingdom and for the sanctuary and for Judah. And he commanded the priests, the sons of Aaron, to offer them on the altar of the Lord. So they took care of that and now the, the, the operation of the house needed to come about. You know, the whole point of the temple was really for this, it was to worship and praise God. That's what it was. So they, they killed the bullocks and the priest received the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. Likewise, when they had killed the rams, they sprinkled the blood upon the altar. They killed also the lambs. They sprinkled the blood upon the altar and they brought forth the goats for the sin offering before the king and the congregation and they laid their hands upon them. And all of this sacrifice was now happening again. And all of that was worship. All of that was praise and 
The priests killed them and they made reconciliation with their blood upon the altar to make an atonement for all Israel. For the king commanded that the burnt offerings and the sin offerings should be made for all Israel. And notice this, and he set the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, with psalteries, with harps, according to the commandment of David and of Gad, the king's seer, and Nathan, the prophet. For so was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets. And the Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priests with the trumpets. You know what else was happening? Singing, music, it was praise. All of that was being reinstituted into the house. And after the cleansing, after just opening up to fellowship again, after fixing those things that needed to get repaired, the actions needed to come about. The, 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 the outplay of that was that the function of the temple was again being done. And so Hezekiah commanded to offer the burnt offerings upon the altar. And when the burnt offerings began, the song of the Lord began also with the trumpets and with the instruments ordained by David, king of Israel. And all the congregation worshipped and the singers sang and the trumpeters sounded. And all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had made an end of offering, the king and all that were present with him bowed themselves and worshipped. Moreover, Hezekiah the king and the princes commanded the Levites to sing praise unto the Lord with the words of David and Asaph the seer. And they sang praises with gladness and they bowed their heads and worshipped. You know, the function, the function of the temple happened again. You know, often the, 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 the greater evidence of this order in our lives is the, our function isn't being met. You know, our function is to offer God worship and praise through situations that might lead to turning our lives upside down when we're in the squeeze, what comes out? What comes out? Is it a life of praise? Is it a life of worship? Is it a life that, that, that bows before the Lord? That's what worship is. Worship is bowing. They offered up worship to God in their sacrifices. They offered up worship so that they could then bow and rejoice in their God. They offered up praise to God, the singing and the instruments that we read about. And let me remind you that He is worthy of all of that in our lives. That the reason why He put you on this earth, He created all things. Why? For His pleasure. And what does He find most pleasure with? It's our worship and our praise. So how's your life in that? You know, many times that's the thing that we need to get ordered back in and worship and praise needs to be part of our lives. And you know what worship is? It's our response to God's word and instruction. As they saw that, they bowed. They, it was according to the commandment of the king. We read it in verse 15, by the words of the Lord. And so all of what they enacted, it was all just a response. And you know what, church, listen, don't get grow tired of the fact that we have the word of God and it's meant to be an instruction for life. It's meant to instruct us about the things, how we're supposed to live our lives. And let's not grow tired of that. But what worship is, is really a response to God's word and instruction. Worship can't be separated from God's word. True worship is grounded in our submission or our bowing to truth. You know what we often just equate worship to is if we sing a couple of songs on a Sunday morning. That's not worship. That can be part of it. Worship and praise go hand in hand. But listen, you know what, what is most, the, the part that is, is, is most, most like the definition of worship in the Bible 
is when we respond to the Word of God at the end of a sermon. That's what true worship is. When we come down to a realization that what we were doing versus what the Word of God is saying doesn't align and we bow ourselves to that. And we may not physically bow, we may. But if our hearts are bowed and we're bowed to the Word of God, you know what that is? That's worship. And it was an exercise of those daily moment-by-moment things that God expected of them. And, and what worship is, worship is sacrifice. These offerings were taken, these sacrifices were, were made. And you know what true worship involves? Our willingness to lay down our lives. And what it was, it was a saying no to self and a saying yes to God. That's worship. Now many of us, we, we, again, we substitute worship for the, those, those things that we just do in a, in a group setting. But you know what true worship is, is you laying yourself down on the altar. That's worship. You know why we can worship every day? Because you can live with yourself every day, laying it down on the altar of sacrifice every day. And all of us here, we need to have a life of worship that way. But then the, the other thing that they did was praise. And it, these, these two go hand in hand. But praise is lifting our voice in thanks and honor to, to Him. You know why we sing? You know why we sing? We sing because we're lifting up our voices in praise to Him. That's why. It's not, it's not because it's just a church thing. It's not because, well, we're trying to fill up time because you don't want pastor to preach for two hours, do you? But, but listen, no, no, we sing. It's important. That's why singing and lifting up praise with our voices is needful. It's not just an added bonus to the church. It's, it's something we do. Why? It's, it's giving credit to God. It's lifting up our voice in thanksgiving and honor to Him. In Psalm 9, verse 2, I will be glad and rejoice in Thee. I will sing praise to Thy name, O Thy Most High. And so Hezekiah reinstitutes that. You know what it did? It, did, it brought order back. And this thing happens suddenly. One of the ways we can quickly turn things around is by lifting up our voice to praise God. You know, one of the greatest releases in your life is when you're going through something and then you can lift up your voice to praise. It's a great release. It's a, it's a turning point. And, you know, praise at the end is praise is serving with our hearts with passion. And, you know, these people here in verses 34 to 35, the Bible says the priests were too few so that they could not flay all the burnt offerings. Wherefore, their brethren, the Levites, did help them till the work was ended until the other priests had sanctified themselves for the Levites were more upright in heart to sanctify themselves and the priests, and also the burnt offerings were in abundance with the fat of the peace offering and the drink offerings for every burnt offering. So the service of the house of the Lord was set in order. And here's the point here. Notice there, wherefore their brethren, the Levites, did help them. You know what? They, get, they got back to that, that worship through service. They got back to serving. They got back to doing the, the, the practical thing and you know, we get back to a life of order and reverence when our passion spills out in service. We get back involved. We don't delay. There's, we get back to it, there's, and we recognize that there's much work to be accomplished for the Lord. You know, the Bible tells us in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine upon before men that they may see your good works. You know, part of the Christian life, part of the normal function of the Christian life is a production of good works in our lives. Hey, listen, good works doesn't save you, right? But good works is a product of a saved life. 
And we're meant to get back to a, a life of service. Listen, as, as we observe maybe just getting, getting our lives back in order, one of those telling things is that there's a part of you that just, you, you, part of you that says, I'm going to serve. And then you do serve. You know, Hezekiah's comeback in getting things back in order, the Bible tells us that this thing was done suddenly. This doesn't need to be a gradual thing. This can just happen straight away. You know how you're going to do that? You just, if you're just willing to put in the important things. If you're just willing to get back to fellowship and restore your fellowship with the Lord. If you just get back and you just would allow the God of heaven to search your heart and to get those things right and to purify those. And then if you would just, if you would just come back to a life of, of reverence to God, of worshiping Him and praising Him like He deserves. And maybe this morning your life isn't out of order. Maybe it is, but you know what you're going to see that? You're going to see is those things are present in your life. And if you get out of order, those things are the things that you need to get back to. And I hope that that would be the case for us this morning as we head into the, the week and as we head out into the afternoon, that we'd get back to a life of order just like Hezekiah did. Let's pray. Father, thank you again. Lord, just for the time this morning as we've opened your word. And, and Father, we recognize that, Lord, all of us are in, in, in various situations, Lord. Maybe there's, there are pressures in our lives that have caused us, Lord, to Lord, see some, some, a lack of order. And, and maybe we're just wondering, how can we get back? Lord, I pray that you'd help us to then just do what Hezekiah did. Just, just do the thing suddenly. Get back to it, not put it off, but... Get back to that fellowship. Get back to, to being cleansed and being sanctified. Get, getting back to that place where we're just giving you the reverence that you deserve. And I pray that you just help us, Lord, to just then recognize some of these things in our lives and then, Lord, to, to put it into practice as we live each day. We're going to stand to our feet with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Let's just take the time this morning as the piano begins to play. Let's just respond to the Word of God and maybe... Uh, maybe it's been a while since you've just worshipped and truly. Maybe it's, it's other things in our lives, those, those things that we spoke about. Whatever it is, may the Lord speak to us this morning. I want to tell you, if you're not saved here, we can show you from the Word of God how you can be saved. We didn't speak about it directly today, but you know, all of those sacrifices, they were a picture of something. It was a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Lamb of God who laid down his life willingly to, as a sacrifice for my sin, your sin, the sins of the whole world. And because of his great sacrifice, because of that willingness, then we can be saved. The Bible tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the great news, the good news of the Bible is that God loved you so much that he willingly came to this earth and as his son laid down his life for you and I and, and you can know today don't leave this place without knowing that you're saved and I hope that you can just see one of us after see me after this and we'd love to show you from the word of God how you can be saved but church if you're saved how's your life is it ordered are there some things that you need to get back into so that 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 order can back come back into your life whatever it is that let the Lord speak to you this morning as we have this time of invitation.